We're going to be learning in Chidushim Aron Riz HaLevi, the only piece in Hilchos Sukkah, and this is an explanation of the view of the Rambam as to how to explain the two positions in the Gemara of whether a Sukkah is a Diras Keva or a Diras Arai, a temporary or a permanent dwelling. So it's not totally clear how to define those terms because obviously a sukkah is temporary in the sense that we only use it for one week, but it's also permanent in the sense that it has to be a sturdy structure. So Reb Velvel is going to explain exactly how the Rambam defines that debate and those different positions. The Gemara in Sukkah Dafdalid discusses a sukkah that's at an improper height. So a sukkah has to be between 10 tfachim and 20 amos. If it's higher or lower than that, then it's an invalid sukkah. So the Gemara raises the following case. If the sukkah was over 20 amas, so it was too high, the hutzin yordin besoch esrim ama. But some of the branches of the schach are dipping downwards into the 20 amas. So even though the sukkah itself is too high, but there is schach within the proper measurement. So the Gemara rules in tzilsam maruba mechamsam kshera. If the shade of those branches that are in the 20 amas is more than the sunlight, so then the sukkah is valid. Even though the sukkah is too high, but we don't need the schach that's above 20 amas. Because the schach that's below 20 amas is enough to create its own valid sukkah on its own. So we don't need the rest of the schach. The imlav psula. But if there's more sunlight than shade in the schach that's under 20 amas, so then the whole sukkah is pus. Now the Gemara goes to the reverse case. Let's say the sukkah was above 10 tfachim, so that was a valid height, but the hutzin yard in the yud, but there are branches of the schach that are going into the 10 tfachim. So those branches are too low. So Savar Abayah Abaya thought that this halacha should be the reverse of the first halacha. So if there's more sunlight than shade on those branches that are in ten tfachim, the sukkah is still valid because those branches are irrelevant. They're not a valid schach. And the schach itself is above ten tfachim. So this case, according to Abaya, is the exact reverse of the first case. If there's enough schach dipping down to create its own sukkah, so that would be a problem in the small sukkah, but otherwise it's not. So Rava disagreed with Abaya. He said that this second case is different because there's another problem. Even if there's not enough schach to create its own sukkah, so there's more sunlight than shade. But either way, it's an unpleasant place to sit. Nobody wants to sit in their house with their roof falling in, basically. So the schach, which is dipping into the living quarters, is making it unusable. The People don't live in such a dwelling. So the sukkah is a temporary dwelling, but it does have to be a dwelling. And nobody wants to live in a dwelling with schach jutting into the space that they're sitting. So according to Rava, even though the schach itself is not a problem because there's more sun than shade, but the schach makes living in the sukkah unpleasant and that disqualifies the sukkah because now it's a dira srucha. So the tour and the Shulchan Arach and Arachai rule according to Rava that if there is schach jutting into the bottom ten tfachim, then that disqualifies the sukkah because it's unpleasant to dwell in there. So it's a dira srucha. 
But the Rambam presents this halacha differently. In Hilchos Sukkah Hey Beis, the Rambam writes, "V'tzarich lihizarish lo yihiu hutzin va'alin shal schach yarden l'soch asarat fachim." One should be careful that the branches and the leaves of the schach don't go into the bottom ten tfachim. Kadesh lo yetsar lo biyishivaso, so that it won't be unpleasant to sit in the sukkah. So the Rambam records Rava's halacha that if the schach is jutting into the bottom ten tfachim, it makes it unpleasant to live in the sukkah. But the Rambam does not say that whether there's more sunlight than shade or more shade than sunlight, either way the sukkah is disqualified. In fact, the Rambam doesn't even seem to say that the sukkah is disqualified at all. He seems to be saying that ideally one should make sure that the schach is not going into the bottom ten tfachim, but he doesn't say that in such a case the sukkah is disqualified. So it sounds like according to the Rambam, ideally one should avoid this situation, but it doesn't actually disqualify the sukkah. And that also seems to be the case because the Rambam records this halacha in the laws of schach not in the laws dealing with sukkah. So the Rambam's not saying that this invalidates the sukkah. He's saying that one should attempt to make sure that the schach doesn't go into the bottom ten tfachim. But it would not invalidate the sukkah as the tour and the Shulchan Arach ruled. So Rab Velvel wants to understand what is the explanation for the approach of the Rambam that schach jutting into the bottom ten tfachim doesn't disqualify the sukkah. So in order to understand that, Rab Velvel analyzes a mission in Sukkah If someone leans their sukkah on the poles of a bed, so the sukkah is using the bed poles. So the rabbis hold that that's a valid sukkah because all you need for a sukkah are walls and schach, and you have that here. Rabbi Yehuda Omer im Yehuda disagrees, and he says that if the sukkah cannot stand on its own, so then it's disqualified. So the Gemara quotes two explanations for Rabbi Yehuda. One is keva, because this is not a permanent dwelling, so this type of sukkah is too flimsy, and according to Rabbi Yehuda, a sukkah has to be more solid in order to be valid. And the other view is because the sukkah is resting on something which can become tamay because it's a vessel. So the bed is able to become tamay, so it cannot uphold the sukkah. So those are the two explanations in Rabbi Yehuda. Now Rashi explains the first view and the Rambam also in the Pirush HaMishnayis that this is Rabbi Yehuda consistent with his view that sukkah diras keva ba'inan, that the sukkah has to be a permanent structure. So there are others who disagree. They hold that a sukkah can be a flimsy structure, but Rabbi Yehuda holds that it has to be a permanent structure. Now, Tosvos there quotes from the Yushalmi an explanation of why is this sukkah on the bed not a diras keva, permanent. So the Yushalmi explains because it doesn't have 10 tfachim of airspace inside of it. Even though within the walls there is 10 tfachim of airspace, but the bed is cutting into that. So there's no actual 10 tfachim of airspace, so it's not considered a valid sukkah. So that's the Yushalmi's explanation for what makes this sukkah not keva. So Reb Velvel asks on this Yerushalmi, what is the connection between how much airspace is inside the sukkah and it 
it being considered a diras keva. Because on the surface, these two concepts have nothing to do with each other. There is one debate between Rabbi Yehuda and the Rabbanan whether the sukkah should be a diras keva or a diras arai, a permanent or a temporary structure. And there's another halacha that the Mishnah and Daf Beis at the very beginning says that the sukkah has to be ten tfachim high. So everyone agrees to that. Even the Rabbanan who hold that the sukkah should be temporary agree that it must have 10 tfachim of height. So what does the issue of how high and how much airspace is in the sukkah have anything to do with the issue of whether the sukkah is diras keva or diras arai? The Yushalmi is connecting these two halachas that if it doesn't have 10 tfachim of airspace, then it's considered diras arai and not diras keva. But even the Rabbanan hold that a sukkah has to have 10 tfachim of height. So Reb Velvel says that there's a very simple explanation of this Yerushalmi. A sukkah requires 10 tfachim of height for two different reasons. The first is that a wall which is less than 10 tfachim is not considered a wall in halacha. So in order for the sukkah to be considered to have walls, those walls must have 10 tfachim of height. And the proof for that is the Gemara in Sukkah Daf Dalid, which learns out that a wall in Halacha has to have 10 Tfachim of height because the Aron was 9 Tfachim and the Kaporas on top was one more Tefach. So it was 10 Tfachim. And it also says on Hamad Beis that according to Rabbi Yehuda, it's a Hilchsa Gemiri law. There's a tradition that a wall has to be at least 10 Tfachim. So the Gemara makes clear that the first reason for the requirement of 10 Tfachim is so that the wall is considered a valid wall. But then there's an additional reason. Because less than 10 tfachim is not a dwelling. The sukkah has to be a place where a person dwells for the holiday of sukkahs. And if it's less than 10 tfachim, nobody would dwell in such a small area. And that's what Rava said, that if the branches are going down, then it's a dira srucha. It's unpleasant to live there. And the Gemara and Daf Yud repeats the same thing. It describes a sukkah that's not fit to be a dwelling as the low if it's not 10 Tfachim high. So this is the second aspect of the 10 Tfachim requirement that inside the sukkah, it should have a 10 Tfachim airspace in order to be a dwelling. So both the wall on the outside requires 10 Tfachim to be considered a wall and the airspace inside requires 10 Tfachim in order to be considered a dwelling. So that's what the Ushalmi is referring to, that in the case of a sukkah on the bed, there's no inside 10 tfachim of airspace in order to be considered a dwelling. Now, Tosvos asks on the Ushalmi that Rabbi Yehuda in the Mishnah says, Im asura, that if the sukkah can't stand on its own, then it's disqualified. So it sounds like if the sukkah could stand on its own, even though there's no airspace of 10 tfachim, it's still a valid sukkah. Rabbi Yehuda seems to be saying that the whole problem with this sukkah is that it can't stand on its own. But the implication is that if it could stand on its own, it wouldn't matter that the bed is cutting into the airspace. And even Rabbi Yehuda would agree that this is a valid sukkah. So that contradicts the Yerushalmi that says that since there's no ten tfachim of airspace, it's invalid according to Rabbi Yehuda. 
So Tosos answers that when Rabbi Yehuda says that the sukkah can stand on its own, it means even if he were to remove the bed, the sukkah would remain standing. So that means that even when the bed is in the sukkah, it's just a separate object. It's like anyone that puts a bed into their sukkah, it doesn't cut into the airspace. It's one of the objects that they're using to live in the sukkah. So that's what Rabbi Yehuda means to say in this Mishnah, that if the sukkah can stand on its own, so then the bed is an independent object and it doesn't cut into the airspace of the sukkah. Like the Gemara in the first chapter says that if someone puts pillows and blankets in the sukkah, it doesn't cut into the airspace of the sukkah because the sukkah stands on its own and they're using the beds and pillows and blankets in the sukkah. But if the sukkah can't stand on its own without the bed. So then they're considered one object and then the bed cuts into the airspace of the sukkah. So Rabbi Yehuda's explanation is really the same as the Yerushalmi that if the sukkah requires the bed to remain standing, so that means the bed is part of the sukkah and then it cuts into the airspace. So based on Tosos's explanation, Reb Velvel adds that in the case of a sukkah on a bed, there is no problem in the actual height of the wall. The first component of the ten tfachim is that less than that is not considered a wall. Now in this case, even if the sukkah relies on the bed, the wall is still ten tfachim because the sukkah using the bed creates a wall of ten tfachim. So there is no issue with the height of the wall. The issue is with the dwelling because the the second component of the ten tefachim is that there needs to be a ten tefach airspace to dwell in. Now, in this case, since the bed is part of the sukkah, it cuts into the dwelling area and there's not enough airspace. If the sukkah is independent from the bed, so that would solve that problem. But since the bed is part of the sukkah, so it's cutting into the airspace. And that's why the Yerushalmi says that there's a problem that this is not considered a diras keva because the issue is not in the wall height, it's in the dwelling space. So this is not a sukkah, which is a proper dira that someone could really live in. So this explains the approach of the Yerushalmi, the way Tosos explained it, what the issue of this sukkah on a bed is, that there's not enough airspace. But says Rab Velvel, there's still a problem. Because again, what does this have anything to do with the debate between Rabbi Yehuda and the Rabbanan? Even according to the Rabbanan, that a sukkah needs to be a diras Arai, so it doesn't need to be a permanent dwelling, but it does need to be a temporary dwelling. And this sukkah that doesn't have 10 tfachim of airspace doesn't even meet that low bar. It's not a dira at all. It's not a dira sarai even. So even the Rabbanon should agree that this sukkah is invalid. But the Rambam in Pirsha Mishnayis said that this is Rabbi Yehuda Lashitaso, that he holds a sukkah needs to be diras keva, whereas the Rabbanon would disagree and they hold that it's a valid sukkah because they hold that it needs to be diras arai. But this sukkah on the bed is not even diras arai. So even the Rabbanon should hold that this is an invalid sukkah. So in the parentheses, Rab Velvel adds that maybe the Rambam doesn't interpret the issue in this Mishnah like the Yerushalmi. Maybe he interprets the issue in a totally different way. And Rashi, in fact, explains the whole thing differently. But if we want to fit the Rambam into the Yerushalmi, so then we have this problem.
problem. Now, the Rush, in fact, in Sukkah does write that according to the Rabbanan, this is an invalid Sukkah because it's a Dira Srucha. Nobody wants to live in such a Sukkah because there's not enough airspace. So the Rush is taking this whole issue to its logical conclusion that since there's no tent Fachim of airspace, it's not a dwelling at all. And the Rabbanan also would say that it's an invalid Sukkah. But again, the Rambam in the Pirush Mishnayis seems to say that according to the Rabbanan, who say that a sukkah is a diras arai, so this sukkah would be a valid sukkah. So we need to understand how would that work. So says Rab Velvel, according to the Rambam, it must be that this issue of whether the bed cuts into the airspace does depend on whether a sukkah is diras keva or diras arai. Because as Tosfo said, there is actually nothing cutting into the space of the sukkah. The sukkah has an independent airspace, which does have 10 tfachim in it, and the bed doesn't really change that because the bed is an object in the sukkah. So if the sukkah were an independent sukkah that didn't need the bed, then in fact the bed would not cut into the airspace. It's only because the sukkah is relying on the bed that the bed cuts into the airspace. So the way to actually describe this situation in technical terms is that in terms of the measurement of a sukkah, which must have 10 tfachim of airspace, this sukkah fulfills that requirement because in fact it does have 10 tfachim of airspace. But there's a practical issue that no one could actually comfortably live in this sukkah because the bed is making it uncomfortable. So the issue is not in the actual shiur, the halachic measurement, that criteria is met. The problem in this situation is practical that it's not a comfortable dwelling. So now this is only a problem if a sukkah needs to be diras keva, if it needs to be a permanent comfortable dwelling, so then this is an invalid sukkah because you can't live in it comfortably. So it's not a diras keva. But if a sukkah is diras arai, so it does not need to be a real dwelling. So this sukkah is a valid sukkah because in fact, on a theoretical level, it does have 10 tfachim of airspace. And now Reb Velvel adds an even sharper formulation that the debate between Reb Yehuda and the Rabbanan, whether sukkah is diras keva or diras arai, the conceptual point of that debate is when the Torah says that a sukkah has to be a dira, a dwelling, is that talking about the sukkah or the person doing the mitzvah of sukkah? There's two ways to formulate this. Either the Torah is saying that the sukkah has to be a place where they could dwell, and if the sukkah doesn't meet that criteria, then it's an invalid sukkah, or the Torah is not talking about the object of the sukkah at all. It's talking about the person doing the mitzvah. They need to dwell in the sukkah, even if the sukkah is not a valid dwelling, but the way to do this mitzvah is to dwell in the sukkah. So that's the debate between Rabbi Yehuda and the Rabbanan. According to the Rabbanan, when the Torah said teshvu, that you should sit in the sukkah, and the Gemara interprets ke'en taduru, the way you live in your house. That's not talking about the sukkah, it's talking about the person, that he needs to dwell in the sukkah over the holiday of sukkahs, the way he dwells in his house. But it's not saying that the sukkah needs to be a 
a valid dwelling, a real comfortable place like a house, that's what the Rabbanan mean when they say sukkah diras arai. It's a temporary dwelling, meaning it doesn't matter if the sukkah itself is somewhere where no one would want to live so long as the person dwelling in the sukkah is doing it like they dwell in their house. So then they fulfilled the mitzvah. Now, they might practically not be able to use this sukkah. And the analogy for that, says Rav Velvel, is a sukkah that has rain coming in. It's not that the sukkah itself is disqualified. The sukkah is fine, but the person sitting in that sukkah can't fulfill their mitzvah because sitting in the sukkah is unpleasant. So that's the same for any sukkah that's unpleasant to sit in. It's not a problem in the sukkah. The person sitting there who finds it unpleasant is unable to do their mitzvah because the mitzvah of sitting in the sukkah requires dwelling in it pleasantly. So that's the view of the Rabbanan. Rabbi Yehuda, on the other hand, understands that when the Torah commanded dwelling in the sukkah, it's referring to the sukkah itself. So that's what he means, that a sukkah is the diras keva. It has to be a permanent dwelling, meaning it has to be built in such a way that it models the home and the sukkah itself is comfortable. So if the sukkah is unpleasant to sit in because it doesn't have the proper airspace, that's a problem in the sukkah and the sukkah is puzzle. So now if we apply this debate back to our case of the sukkah on a bed where the sukkah walls have the tent fachim, so that measurement is met. But the issue is that the bed is cutting into the airspace, so there isn't enough airspace. So now this case is going to be a debate between Rabbi Yehuda and the Rabbanan. According to Rabbi Yehuda, that an uncomfortable dwelling invalidates the sukkah because a sukkah needs to be diras keva. And if it's uncomfortable, then that doesn't meet diras keva. So this sukkah is disqualified. But according to the Rabbanan, since the sukkah has valid walls, which are ten tfachim high, the only only issue is a practical one that people can't sit in it comfortably but according to the Rabbanan that doesn't disqualify the sukkah because a sukkah is diras arai so it doesn't need to be a comfortable dwelling so according to the Rabbanan this sukkah is valid so that explains why the Rambam says that only according to Rabbi Yehuda the sukkah is puzzle but according to the Rabbanan it's kosher because since they require diras arai so an uncomfortable sukkah is not a problem so according to the Rabbanan, we only require 10 tfachim in the height of the walls, but we do not require 10 tfachim of airspace. And according to Rabbi Yehuda, there's a second requirement, not only 10 tfachim of height, but also 10 tfachim of airspace. So this explains how the debate between Rabbi Yehuda and the Rabbanan over diras kever, diras arai, applies to whether or not a sukkah needs 10 tfachim of usable airspace inside. But now the issue issue is, what about Rava in the Gemara Daf Dalid, who said that if you can't sit in the sukkah, it disqualifies it. So Reb Velvel explains that in that Gemara, Abaya began the discussion by saying that if the schach that goes into the tent fachim allows more sunlight than shade, it's chamsam ruba mitzilsa, so then the sukkah is valid because the schach that's in tent fachim is not valid schach. 
So Rava disagreed with him and he said, there's another problem that it's Dira Srucha, no one would live in that sukkah. So Reb Velvel explains the back and forth that Abayah said, if the schach, which is dipping into the tent fachim, allows for more sunlight than shade, then that means it's not cutting into the airspace of the sukkah. And the proof for that is because in the other case, where the sukkah is higher than 20 amas, if the schach going into the 20 amas allows for for more sunlight than shade, so it was not considered to minimize the height of the sukkah. So we see that if there's a few branches going in, but there's still more sunlight than shade, those branches don't minimize the airspace of the sukkah. So says Abaya, let's apply the same principle to a small sukkah of tend fachim, and the branches are dipping into the tend fachim. So since the branches allow more sunlight, they don't cut into the space, and it's still a valid sukkah. On that, Rava says to him, even if your principle is correct, but since the person can't practically live in this sukkah, because there's branches dipping into the tent fachim, so there's nowhere practically to sit, so this is a dira srucha, and it's an invalid sukkah. So now this case, according to Rava, is the parallel of the sukkah on the bed. There is tent fachim of height in the walls, so that measurement requirement is met, but there's no practical space inside the sukkah to sit. So on a practical level, this is a dira srucha because practically there's nowhere for people to sit. So now says Rab Velvel, according to the Rambam's comment later in chapter two on the Mishnah on Chaf Aleph, the whole issue is only according to Reb Yehuda who requires a diras keva. So since there's nowhere to sit, this is an invalid sukkah. But according to the Rabbanan who required diras arai, so this does not invalidate the sukkah because since the sukkah meets the measurement requirements of 10 tfachim in the walls, so the fact that the airspace is minimized is not going to disqualify it according to the Rabbanan. So that's exactly why the Rambam rules that Rava's halacha is only lechatchila. It doesn't invalidate the sukkah if the branches go into tent fachim. Ideally, one should avoid it to make their sitting in the sukkah more comfortable, but if they do have branches going into tent fachim, it does not invalidate the sukkah like the Rabbanan who say that a sukkah is diras arai. Only according to Rabbi Yehuda would it invalidate the sukkah, but the Rambam rules like the Rabbanan. So this answers why the Rambam disagrees with the tour in the Shulchan Arach. He does not hold that such a sukkah is disqualified as they do because according to the Rambam, that only fits in Rabbi Yehuda and he holds like the Rabbanan. And that's also why the Rambam quotes this halacha in the laws of schach, not in the laws of sukkah, because this is not one of the things that disqualifies a sukkah. This is one of the halachas to be careful with in the schach, but it doesn't affect the status of the sukkah. So this explains the approach of the Rambam. Now says Rab Velvel very brilliantly that the Tur and the Shulchan Arach and Simon Tafresh Lamid rule like the Rush that if the bed is cutting into the airspace of the sukkah, so it's invalid, even according to the Rabbanan. So they follow the view that the issue of the sukkah on top of the bed has nothing to do with the debate of Rabbi Yehuda and the Rabbanan. Even the Rabbanan who hold the sukkah as Diras Arai hold that such a sukkah is invalid. So according to that approach, 
everyone agrees that if there's not 10 tfachim of usable airspace, the sukkah is invalid. Even if a sukkah is dirasarai, but such a sukkah that doesn't have 10 tfachim of airspace to sit in is not even a dira at all. So it's totally invalid. So the rush disagrees with the Rambam and the Pirish Hamishnayis who said that that sukkah is valid according to the Rabbanan and the Tur and the Shulchan Arach follow the view of the rush. So that's why they rule in this case that if there's branches going into the ten tfachim, it's an invalid sukkah because even according to the Rabbanan, that disqualifies the sukkah because practically there's nowhere to sit. So this is a very fundamental debate. There are two reasons why a sukkah needs to have ten tfachim of height. One is for the walls. The second is for the airspace to dwell in. According to the Rambam, only Rabbi Yehuda requires both of those, but the Rabbanan only need ten tfachim of wall height. They do not require ten tfachim of airspace to dwell in. So that's why the Rambam holds that a sukkah on the bed or a sukkah with branches going into the ten tfachim are both valid. Whereas according to the Rush, the Rabbanan also require both of those reasons. Ten tfachim in the walls and ten tfachim of airspace. So the sukkah on the bed and the sukkah with branches going into it are both disqualified sukkahs. And that's the view of the Tur and the Shulchan Arach. So the Rambam and the Tur and the Shulchan Arach are both consistent with their overall approaches to this whole topic. But now in the final paragraph, Rab Velvel raises a question against his interpretation. The Gemara in Sukkah of Gimel has a case, Osa Sfina, if someone builds a sukkah on a ship. So Abaya says, everyone agrees, that if this sukkah could not stand up in a normal wind on the shore, so this is not a valid sukkah. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, if the sukkah could withstand even a very powerful wind on the shore, so like a hurricane, so it's a very sturdy sukkah, so then everyone agrees that this is a valid sukkah. But the debate is in the middle case. If a sukkah is strong enough to withstand a normal wind on shore, but not a normal wind on the sea. So this sukkah is not on the extremes. It's somewhat sturdy that the normal type of wind on land, it would be able to withstand. So if it was on the land, it would be a fine sukkah. But since it's at sea where the normal wind is stronger, so this sukkah cannot withstand that wind. So that's a debate between Rabban Gamliel and Rabbi Akiva. Rabban Gamliel holds that a sukkah has to be diras keva. It has to be sturdier. So since this sukkah can't withstand the wind of the sea, so it's disqualified. And Rabbi Akiva holds sukkah diras arai, that the sukkah can be flimsier. So since this sukkah is strong enough to withstand the normal wind on land, so it's a valid sukkah. So that's the debate, Rabban Gamliel and Rabbi Akiva. Now, Rashi comments that the Gemara says that according to Rabban Gamliel, this middle sukkah that can't withstand the wind of the sea is lo klumhi. It's a nothing. 
So Rashi says that it's not even a diras arai. It's not just that it's not a diras keva, but it's a nothing. So Reb Velvel asks that this seems to undermine his whole analysis because he's been saying that a sukkah that has 10 tfachim of height is considered a diras arai, even if it's not a comfortable or a sturdy place to live in. So according to Reb Velvel's interpretation of the Rambam, that's considered a diras arai. And here the Gemara is saying that such a sukkah, which does have the ten tfachim walls, but it's not sturdy, is loklum, it's not even a diras arai. So that seems to go against his analysis. So he answers that maybe the Rambam doesn't interpret that line like Rashi. The Rambam understands that when the Gemara says loklum he, that this sukkah is a nothing, it's because of the walls. So according to the Rambam, there is actually an issue in the walls themselves because since they're not able to withstand the normal wind on the sea, so we apply the rule of kol beruach, any wall which can't withstand the wind is not a mechitza. So according to the Rambam, that's the problem with this sukkah on the ship. The issue is not like Rashi saying that it has valid walls, but since it's not a sturdy place to live in, so it's not even dirasarai. According to the Rambam, in that case, it would be dirasarai. The problem here is one step further that since the walls can't withstand the wind, so it means that the walls themselves are invalid. So then it's obviously certainly not a sukkah at all. So that's how the Rambam would interpret why the Gemara says that it's not a sukkah at all. And that's how the language of the Rambam in Hilchus Sukkah, Dalit Hay, indicates that he interpreted this Gemara. So there does seem to be a debate between the Rambam and Rashi. And again, this would be consistent with their views that according to the Rambam, this Sukkah on a ship if the walls were valid, so then it would be considered a diras arai, even though it's not going to withstand the wind. But since the wind is going to knock down the walls, so now the walls are not considered valid walls, and that disqualifies the entire sukkah. And Reb Velvel adds that according to the Rambam, there is a very brilliant interpretation of these lines in the Gemara. The Gemara starts off and it says that the walls of the sukkah have to be able to withstand the wind. That's obvious. Everyone's going to agree to that. So at first the Gemara says that the determination of whether these walls can withstand wind is going to be done in the normal type of wind, which is on the land. So even though this boat is on a ship, we're going to look at whether these walls could withstand the land type of wind, even though this sukkah is somewhere else, it's not on land, but we don't evaluate each sukkah by where it is. We evaluate it based on the normal type of wind. So whether or not a sukkah is on the moon or at sea or wherever it is in the world, the way to determine whether the walls are strong enough is whether they could withstand a normal wind on the shore. So in this case of the sukkah at sea, where the walls are able to withstand normal wind on land, but not the wind at the sea. So at this point, we would say that this is a valid sukkah because the walls are valid because they're considered walls that could withstand the land wind, even though they can't withstand the sea wind, which is where the sukkah actually is. But then the Gemara says that that's all true in terms of evaluating whether these are 
valid walls. But when it comes to a sukkah, there's something in addition to that. Not only do you require walls, you also require dira. So now, whether this sukkah is valid is going to depend on the issue of diras keva or diras arai, which is a debate between Rabban Gamliel and Rabbi Akiva. If you hold that a sukkah is diras arai, so that means we only care about the walls. We're not interested in any other feature of the sukkah. That's been Rabbi Velvel's explanation for the Rambam the whole time, that the view of diras arai only requires walls, nothing else. It doesn't need to be comfortable or sturdy. We only look at the walls. So if we apply that to the sukkah at sea, so we only look at the walls, and again, the walls are determined based on how they would work on land. So since these walls are valid on land, they're also valid at sea. So that's why according to Rabbi Akiva, it's a valid sukkah. Rabban Gamliel, though, holds sukkah is diras keva. So now we don't only look at the walls. It needs to be a valid dira as well. And since this sukkah is going to be at sea, so we have to take into account where the sukkah is going to be. So even though in a vacuum the walls are valid because they would be valid on land, but this sukkah is on a ship and the view of Diras Keva says that we have to take into account where the sukkah is going to be. Now these walls are not going to be able to withstand the wind at the sea. So that invalidates now the entire sukkah because it means that the walls can't withstand wind in the place that they're going to be. So the walls are now invalidated. So that's why this case centers on the question of sukkah diras keva or diras arai because that depends whether we have to take into account that this is a sukkah on a ship or we can look at the sukkah in a vacuum. So this is Rab Velvel's overall explanation for the approach of the Rambam to understanding the debate of sukkah diras keva diras arai and the key point is that according to the Rambam diras arai means that we only require walls for the sukkah none of the other features of being able to dwell in the sukkah whereas diras keva requires not only walls but also proper living space in the sukkah so it requires ten tfachim of airspace it requires a sturdy sukkah and other features that make the sukkah a dwelling and the key conceptual debate between these views is when the Torah said to dwell in the sukkah, is it talking about the gavra or the chefza, the person doing the mitzvah or the object of the mitzvah, the sukkah. So according to Diras Keva, the sukkah has to be a proper dwelling. And according to Diras Arai, the person has to dwell in the sukkah, but the sukkah does not need to be a dwelling. And again, all of this is the view of the Rambam, but there is another approach of the rush and the tour and the shulchan that even according to the view of Diras Arai, the sukkah itself needs to be a valid dwelling.